What's up, everybody? This is Spoken Worth. Huge shout out to everybody listening to the 520 Collective podcast. They do so much to support indie artists like ourselves. I just dropped a new song called Just As We Are. And what I need you to do is find the song wherever you listen to music, or you can even watch the music video that we produced and put together for the song. We partnered with over 15 people to make it as impactful and powerful as possible. You can listen to the song anywhere you listen to music or watch the full music video by visiting my website. That's SpokenWorth.net. SpokenWorth.net. On this episode of the 520 Collective Podcast, as a Christian artist, what should you be willing to sacrifice for sync placement? Also, Nora Rahimian joins us to discuss the importance of a newsletter for building your brand. Let's go! Just a flip of the watch, it's game time, game time, Just a flip of the watch, it's game time, game time, on it. Just a flip of the watch, it's game time, game time, on it. Welcome to the 520 Collective Podcast. It's indie Christian culture. I'm your host, Eric Boston, with my co-host, Zero for Hire. What's up, dude? What's up, man? Man, a lot of stuff's been happening around with uh, 520 as well in the past month. Um want to give a shout out. We got a couple of new writing team members uh, at the platform, which is awesome. We brought Servant and DJ Expander onto the team, and both of their first pieces are up on the website. Uh, Servant did a cool dive into uh, Zeta Blacksmith's uh, new little collective. And then uh, DJ Expander started a series called The Dive Series, where he's looking at some of his favorite Christian hip-hop songs and exploring kind of the deeper meaning in them. So make sure you go to 520collective.com. Check those out. Uh, and then for us, man, for us on the podcast, Feedspot, who at the beginning of the year uh, named us the number three podcast on their 20 best Christian hip hop podcast of 2022. They actually updated their list mid year. I know you know this, but I want you to act shocked anyway, dude. We were named number one. Uh, but yeah, shout out, shout out to Feedspot. Offer a service where they kind of consolidate and aggregate best of type feeds for people that are new to podcasting and new to podcasting world or maybe a little too busy to kind of comb through all of the different options. And so that it offers discoverability. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Feedspot, what's really cool about them is, you know, it's kind of like a, a podcast database, right? You can go in there, you can type in their search, the kind of podcast you're looking for, and it's going to give you a bunch of, a bunch of suggestions based on whatever terms you use. Like, Hey, you might want to check out this podcast. So, um, and then they do, they do create these lists as well. So shout out to them, man, for, for like uh, Buzzfeed for your ears. Yeah. Yeah, 
Since we're getting caught up for the month, uh, did I tell you that I got into an argument with a climate change scientist? No. I Okay, a couple of starter points. I didn't start the fight, first of all. All I did was try to get away from him. And he was like, how dare you not agree with me? And so... I was like, okay, like, like, you know, when somebody wants to argue and they just start like shouting their politics and their weird beliefs at, at you, and they're like, I dare you to disagree. And then I just turned into Val Kilmer from Tombstone. I'm like, I'm your Huckleberry. So he's got what's going on about global warming. And I'm like, I just, I don't understand how this is any different than global cooling from the 70s. I mean, like, this people have been shouting doom is coming in 10 years for 50 years. And um, I just, you know, when you got when you got something to show me, then then I'm willing to look. But like until then, I just don't want people cornering me. And the guy got super, super mad. And he's like, well, I'm an analyst and and I've talked to blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, but that's the thing. You guys are big thinkers and that's great. But like your job, a part of it is also to condescend to our level, the common folk and explain things to us, one, in a way that we can understand and two, show us things that substantive to say that to show that there's progress being made in the direction that you're asserting and you haven't done either of those things he goes yes we blah 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 and well you just don't understand i'm saying yeah so essentially you're saying i just need to listen to you because you said so and that that was basically how the argument went and then he'd made another assertion and he wouldn't get substantive evidence and so i'd say so what evidence like why are you you know what about this thing it, it was terrible and the guys got so mad that he said that i'm starting to sound like a republican and i was like i don't know how a scientific conversation turned into an argument about politics but you have a good day okay and he checked out and then i went to talk to my boss because she was like what was that about and i was just like ah climate guy and then he came back and yelled at me some more oh so, man so here's so so trying to get back on track here speaking of new music there we go there's a transition back to where we were there we go uh man go and check out the newest 520 presents release we partnered up with brm and brody da vinci from uh rapture ready productions north but we were able to come alongside them and be a part of the release of the new song rise uh, you can hear it on the 520 Collective Audio Mac page. Check that out. Really good song. Excited to be part of it. Shout out to actually our episode sponsor this month, Spoken Worth. Um, he dropped a new single as well. First uh, one that he's dropped since last year's Crucible Chronicles album, which was our 520 Collective Project of the Year at the Wavemaker Awards. I was just going to say that. Yeah, man. So shout out to him, uh, Just As We Are is the name of that one so a couple good a couple of really good uh tracks there and then since the last podcast you actually put out some new music too man on audio mac not dropping bars i'll tell you what no but uh so the song is what i'm doing the song is called alone uh tell tell us a little bit about it man okay so the song is inspired by aw tozer and he's got a sermon. It's it's like a written editorial called The Saint Must Walk Alone. Uh, but it's also inspired by the millennial generation. I kind of look at the fact that a lot of it. This is this is negative and cynical. And I'm sorry if this triggers anybody or whatever. Um, the, the millennial generation seems to be have have ex- unreasonable expectations put upon them uh, from people who didn't prepare them for the challenges that they were going to face with all this stuff going around i don't think it's reasonable 
to expect people to just figure it out and to do well. That's our our challenge. Yeah, the world's messed up. We don't have mentors. We don't have people that are coming alongside us and making our lives better. And if you get more out of that, then that's great. Yeah, no, it's a good song, man. It's a good song, and it's something uh, I feel like very different. But it shows your uh, range as an artist, man. So uh, go check it out. Um, we've got it posted to our uh, playlist on Audio Mac as well, Five Twenty Collective. So let me let me ask you this, man. As an artist, right? You know, you release this new song. Like, how would you feel if your song got picked up for? like you know a commercial or tv show or a movie you know like like how would that make you feel personally as an artist i'd be juiced up about it especially with this particular song i've 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 written this song almost 10 years ago yeah i'd I'd be super juiced if somebody was like we want to you know we want to work with you there's plenty of sections of that song that they could use yeah man so uh, you know the reason i asked that is because earlier this month uh, in our Discord server, if you're not in the Discord, go to 520collect.com, click on Discord in the menu, join it, sweet. Uh, you can interact with us, and maybe we take some of your interaction and we bring it to the podcast. We'll see. But, like I said, over this past month, we did have uh, our guy Darius Mullen in the Discord said, Hey, you know, I'd love for you guys to talk about uh, sync placement, All right, sync licensing. Now, Zero and I, we're not experts on the ins and outs and all the details of sync licensing but whenever he mentioned that it did get me thinking about sync from another angle right so we've seen a lot of people especially in the uh, christian hip-hop community over the last few years that have found really good success with sync licensing right And, and getting those placements which creates a whole new revenue stream for them i mean honestly probably a better revenue stream than you're going to get from your streams maybe even some of your merch sales depending on who you are in this christian hip-hop space right some of the artists who have had the most success end up taking a different approach to those songs that they end up uh getting those placements for right and and, and what do we mean by that well it's, it's kind of this double-edged sword a little bit right where Christian artists, they make total sense for sync placement, right? Because there shouldn't be anything in the music content-wise that people who are going out and choosing this music for these placements should have to really worry about, right? There's nothing, shouldn't be anything explicit, vulgar, etc. That would be a concern. On the flip side of that is, if you are a very Christ-centric, gospel-centric artist where that gospel message and Jesus is heavy in your music that might also play against you as well whenever it comes to sync licensing as you're setting this up I'm starting to realize there's multiple ways to frame and stage this as I got to thinking about this right my question becomes as an artist if you see other people having success in this lane you know in this sync lane and you think maybe I can do that I think one big question you got to ask yourself is what am I willing to compromise when it comes to my music and my message in order in order to get those placements? So let's let's go back to you, man, for a second. So, you know, you listen to Alone. What if you threw it out there for, for sync and someone said, Man, hey, we love the sound. We'd love to use this. Can you can you change the lyrics a little bit? Because we're not trying to appeal to a Christian audience. 
what's your what's your thoughts there that would be that would be weird um even for alone there is that part where it's saying like the the the, the biggest weakness of christians it, and that's that's in that spoken word part and it's going on and if they were like can you take that out of the song and i'd that would bug me a little bit i'm not sure what i would tell them because i'm not expecting something like that to happen so it's easy to say like i'll never do that i you know like what's the problem just play the song i'll give you stems you can do whatever you want to do with it but that's what i'm gonna do i'm not gonna dismantle the song and like reflatten it or whatever like i i'm gonna put up a fight what if they come to you hey we like this song we would like to get you as an artist involved in this commercial can you make something similar but keep the religious stuff out of it this is the nuance that i take as an artist i'm willing to make that deal because i've made those songs before like i said i see a subject that's something that'd be cool to write about i did a smashing pumpkins co cover because i agree with what he's saying i don't have a problem with that and it's not contrary to the gospel it's not contrary to my convictions as a Christian. However, there's a difference between, in my opinion, in my opinion, that that company coming to me and saying, hey, can you make, you know, can we place this order for this thing? And then me just, there's a difference between that and me spending a bunch of time making a bunch of music that I probably don't even really want to make in hopes of landing that spot. And I think that's the, maybe the nuance for me personally. Like I think what we're seeing is, again, you got a lot of artists who have figured out I can actually make some good money doing this, right? Unfortunately, while I, I'm not saying that the music that they've made for, you know, specifically for Sync is bad, that's not what I'm saying. Because that's what a lot of them are doing, is they're making songs that are specifically, like, we're not trying to release this as singles, you know, we are putting this out there specifically to pitch it for placement in film and whatnot, yeah see right? like me um as an artist that's not something I, I would enjoy doing um as a christian having somebody ask you to make a song that's not necessarily religious i don't really have a problem with that but i do have a problem with maybe the context of the song if if it's going too far you know and and maybe even the context of the material that it's going to be used with i'm not making music for anything that i know is going to be anti-christ i never wanted to be the guy that just makes background music for stuff and nobody knows who i am yeah it sounds good but no one can tell you at all what it's saying because that part doesn't really matter yeah and i'll give you an example there's a guy named cell dweller who that's what he does is he makes background music that's what he set out to do and then he got a guy that started getting emplacements. Now he makes music for video games and stuff. And so I can see that being an ends to a means. But I, but as a career like that, I don't see that as a, uh, something to aspire to. I see that as maybe something that you have. Like when you, you just have to go to the temp service and get a job at the factory because you unexpectedly lost your job and you need to do something. You know, or you got to go flip burgers for a while until you find something else. Like that's the equivalent of that sort of deal. But, but then when you get, you know, the next Street Fighter coming to you and saying, hey, we need some background music and we think you'd be perfect. Now you have a relationship to work. I, I don't have a problem with, with that relationship. It's that, that step below where it's like you're making hundreds of songs and just hoping that somebody and then you fall into this trap of everything has to agree with everybody and everything has to appeal to as much uh, as possible. And you can never make anything specific or dangerous or out of the box because it all needs to be 
where where everybody likes it. It's just like that rapper I was saying that I don't like when the rapper is trying to appeal to everyone. You can't pray for people. You have to send good vibes and just be positive. And this is not a that's not a message. There's nothing. It's like vanilla ice cream all the time. And it's like selling your extra photos to stocks, you know. But you you have a goal in mind. Is like you want to be Danny Elfman. You don't want to be the nameless background guy. Unless maybe you do. Maybe you just like I just like money, and this is what I'm gonna do, and whatever. I don't care. If you don't care, then you don't. There's then none of this conversation matters. What what I wish for Christian artists is that they don't have to sacrifice their substance, right? Like my hope would be that that they are making music that is so good that the people going out and, and choosing these songs, even if it's got Jesus in, they can't deny the quality of it and they're like you know what forget it i'm using it anyway it's that good of a song like that yeah. would that like would be my hope tracks your sync tracks are your throwaways because you were practicing and you're like you know eh, it's all right I'll, I'll make it a sync track and you continue building your crap i'm saying don't get complacent in the sync trap <gasps> Ooh, we should have called that the episode sync trap it's a living it's an honest living it, you might get paid pretty well so what is what is the the result? What is the end result of your living is commercials for TV shows about people that are spending money and how fancy their hotel room is or you know what I mean? Like if that's that's your legacy is like some dude stunting over your track. I guess I'm glad you got paid, but that's not something to really be proud of. Football commercials pretty cool. That that is pretty cool when the people land those spots. Yeah, and that, well, and that's the thing, man. Is like, as a Christian artist, if you're gonna if you're gonna attach Christian to your artistry, right? If you're willing to label your to be labeled a Christian artist, I would hope that you're doing so because that message is extremely important to you. Exactly how important is it if you're willing to bend a little bit or um not say the things that you actually want to say just in order yeah, to make this money yeah cuz i know a guy you know? that got that sync job and he hated it he was like i never get to write what i want to write i never get to put the message that i'm trying to say i never get to say anything it's like i or these these like school assembly guys that like they go out and they're saying we want you to go out and inspire these huge groups of kids to be positive mediocre people and mention and don't mention jesus or god because that's what you're doing you started as the guy who wanted to preach the gospel, and now you're getting paid to tell people to be positive. That's the sink trap. Let me start with uh, going back to this question that Reddy posed earlier, which is a kind of an interesting one. What if they didn't ask you to necessarily change any lyrics, but what if they just said, hey, you know what, we're going to put it in, but whenever you say Jesus, we're going to bleep that out. Like when, when, when curse words are bleeped out of other songs, everyone still knows what's going on. <laughs> you know, like, is it a form of... Huh? Is that a form of blasphemy? Uh, <laughs> Once you leave Jesus' name out like a curse word, is that a form of blasphemy? Man, I, like I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely asking because I don't know. Like, I didn't think about it that way. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I, th- I, I would hope that that would be like a hard pass. Like, nah, we're not gonna do that. I'd, I'd rather skip it. B. But. James brought up how Andy's Andy Minial's song "You Can't Stop Me" has been thrown out there for a lot of stuff, and I think that's an excellent example of how you want your songs to be used in sync. It's yes, it's the oohs and the ahs, but like he ain't changing that song. No, but like like you were saying though, it's a very specific part of that song. It's that chorus, right? It's that hook. 
and I get it. And, and, and we're not knocking it. We're not knocking. But when you go, he you made, go download the song. It's the opposite of like what was that? It was like a Arby's commercial or a Bounty commercial or something. And it's like, who got the sauce? I got the sauce. You got the. Th-. And I was like, dang, like paper towels are making better traps music than what I've. So I went and listened to the song, and that song is gross. It's nasty. And I'm like, I don't. You put that out there for everybody to hear, and the song is nasty. And like they didn't ask her to change them lyrics, so like you shouldn't have to change your lyrics. I think that that's where everything we're talking about right now seriously comes down to conviction, and everyone's conviction is going to be different, right? Um, and it could be one of those things where you're opening the doors, where you're actually preaching the gospel behind the scenes and stuff. Like we all have secular day jobs where you have an opportunity to stand on God's principles in your day job and just be excellent. And maybe you're the best dishwasher in the world, but people just like, man, something about this guy. That's what I'm like. You have a generic job, but your excellence brings glory to God in a specific way. Maybe there's something to be said for that in the sync world. I'm just missing it. I mean, only God knows. I In this case, I'm just not seeing it. I see like that's a good way to get paid. I mean, if if Christian artists become the, the trendsetters and we, we're creating a sonic experience that you can't find anywhere else then we're also kind of not giving these people an option but to use it regardless of what the message is right so then you can share that message that is your intent from the get-go or through all this right you you don't have to you, you no longer have to water down in order to make that revenue stream you can uh because you're doing something that nobody else is doing and people want it right uh let's let's bring in you know, we, we gave him a shout out earlier in the podcast. We got our guy DJ Expander on the Discord with us. Again, newest member of the writing team and an artist in his own right. So DJ Expander, are you there? What's good, y'all? Hey, what's up, man? So you've been listening to the conversation, dude. And I know, uh, you know, you've released, um, I think just one song, right? To this point. Yeah, just one song. Yeah. So, I mean, but, but, you know, you're a young guy. You know, you're, you're just getting your feet wet. You're getting started. Uh, what are your thoughts, man? Like, as someone that's really still working on finding your way in this whole Christian hip hop, just music industry in general, like, what is, what is important to you as a young artist? Is it important? Is it more important for you to make something that is going to create a difference in your bank account? Or are you focused on developing your message? Uh, at this point like like we're not even necessarily talking about sync in that question just like in general like where are you trying to go with your with your um music career right now okay so for me i think it should be a balance of both but i i don't think you should sacrifice sharing the gospel with people for money if that makes sense so you you so for me, I would I would definitely aim to you know make money, but I would not make I would not try to make money by limiting the amount of creativity or gospel centric content that goes into my songs. Yeah. So you in, in your song, you know your your chorus, your hook, you basically just kind of repeating this, you know what what Jesus said to us, right? Like, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to love God. We're supposed to love people, right? So you said your song in there and what if they did come back to you and they were like, Hey, yo, the love people part, man, we're all about that. That's the message we want to share. 
what can we do about uh, that, that God piece in there? Well, my response would be, you know how Romans 1.16, we're supposed to be unashamed of the gospel. I would just say I would not sacrifice a godly message for, you know, my bank account. That would be my response. And my response would be, hey, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't, you know, <laughs> I can't take that out of there because it's, you know, what I believe in. So DJ Lost and Found makes a good point in the chat as well. There are some songs, man, like, you know, Coming In Hot by Andy and Lecrae. Dude, that's been that song got like everywhere. You know, it is yeah. <laughs> um, Kim Kardashian used it. I mean, it, everywhere. Right. Um, and there's there are there are going to be those kind of one offs that um, go beyond, you know, for, for these artists. But I mean, I don't think it's a one off. I think it's because like that first category when I was talking about Ice Cube and, and Wu-Tang, they respect the artist. And so they're, they just want a little piece of that song and they break off the piece that they want to use which is similar what you were asking me like would i make a version of the song without jesus and i'm just like i don't think that's an option if you want the song you can use it and i'll give you the stems but like i'm not making you a version of the song that's i'm done with this song that's it they don't respect the artist enough to uh use what he's got then they don't respect the artist and that's that's why minio is getting those spots because they respect him and they want a little piece of that and it's a good yeah. song he deserves to be respected for it and i i do feel like it's one thing if it's a song that maybe isn't gospel centric and maybe it's just a for fun song but mm -hmm. what i don't what i don't get is if you already have a gospel centric song why would why you would sacrifice the the, the gospel the uh, gospel centric content for your bank account. That's what I wouldn't get. I actually struggled with this concept of like, I was going to release just the instrumental versions of my songs. And like it, I don't know. I couldn't put my finger on it, but it was like, it, it bothers me or even like getting into like the monster cat type deal where you're just making inst cool sounding instrumentals for video games. Not like it just, it doesn't motivate me. Just it wouldn't be sinful. It wouldn't be wrong. But just like, I, I can't, eh, I'm just, you know what I mean? Like, I can't even put it into words. So I think, I think from what I'm hearing and just my personal thoughts is that, you know, we're not upset with people, you know, trying to make a living. That's not it. You know, we, we get it that Christian artists, they, you know, they gotta make money like everybody else. Right. So yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. Dial in, make sure you're plugged in and you're, you're, you're pushing in and, and you're, you know, communicating with the spirit on a daily basis and you're 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 seeking where god is leading you and you're you're secure in that right to know like hey this is where my conviction lies i think at some point you do have to have a line somewhere and that line's going to look different for from artist to artist right but know where your line is so that whenever you get to it you're not willing to cross it at that point just for a little bit of paper right I'm not saying you, I'm not saying you can't, can't, you know, you can be will, you can be fine with, with doing just kind of a generic topic, right? That you know is going to work as long as you're not crossing that personal line for you. Uh, and, but that comes with having a strong relationship in place and, and being tuned in, uh, with that guidance that you were receiving. So, and then again, at the end of the day, I'm going to keep, um, just encouraging artists to, Man, I mean, just just keep working on your craft, man. Pour your whole heart into it. Think about 
the inspiration you have comes from the ultimate creator, tap into that. And who knows what's going to come out uh, of this Christian hip-hop space, man. And we can, I think, it might not be as fast as we're wanting it to, but we've shown that we can catch up and we can make up this ground that was supposedly there, you know, at one point behind mainstream artists to where we're there. So now we just keep right on going. We don't slow down, right? We 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 keep pushing forward so that we are the ones who are leading. I feel like we should bring some sort of relevant scripture into this so we're not just making like them guy or logical arguments and i would relate this back to uh first corinthians ten thirty one. it says so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do do it all for the glory of god there's greater context within first corinthians 10 for that but that's a it's applicable to this conversation okay so, so the goal to the verse before it says if i partake in a meal with thankfulness why am i denounced because of that which i give thanks so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And so this could push back on the people that are saying you shouldn't do this. He's like, look, if God blessed me with to be able to make chip tunes for a video game and I'm doing this out of thankfulness, chill out. This is what God gave me. I want to hear what listeners have to think about this. So the easiest thing to do again, guys, jump in our discord server, hit us up, talk to us right there or if you can't jump in the Discord, go to 520cleft.com. Go to our podcast post and just leave a comment. Let us know what you think on this topic. I think another thing to that kind of goes along with this, right, is in order to increase that revenue stream would be, you know, just keep building that audience, right? Keep building that fan base. And one way you can do that is by making sure you have a newsletter going and you're getting those emails so you can communicate with those people that do want to support you and that takes us to our industry insider interview here on the 520 collective podcast this month we've got nora rahimian she is uh one of the hosts of office hours along with stowe but man she is big advocate for newsletters and that is coming up on the industry insider interview after the break so stick around with us check it out And we will be back with you guys again next month. What's up? It's the publisher here, Mr. Kelly Cole. You're rocking with 520 Collective Podcast. Keep it locked. Artist, what is the key to getting your music to your target listener? Making sure that your catalog is available where people are listening. Trackstars is helping independent artists do just that with Nectar Distro. Sign up for Nectar today to have your music delivered for you to all the major digital streaming platforms, including Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, SoundCloud, YouTube, and much, much more. Go to 520collective.com slash Nectar, that's N-E-C-T-A-R now, to sign up and keep 100% of your royalties along with all of your music rights. With monthly payouts, comprehensive reports, specialty tools like the single maximizer and account management services, along with a dedicated team that understands your needs as an artist, it really is hard to beat what Nectar Distro and Trackstars bring to the table. So hit up 520collective.com slash Nectar to get started now. 
What's up? It's Darius Mullen back again with just a few Wave Maker picks for the past month. In order of release date, July started off strong with Arrows of Truth Volume 3, the Alien Revolution 90s mixtape dropping on July 4th. This hard-hitting 22-track project includes appearances ranging from Dayton to Freestyle Fam to Jeremiah Dirt and is well worth a spin. July 22nd brought us the Lo-Fi Vibe Vintage Jesus Tea by... Anthony Hale, that's T as in t-shirt, as opposed to T as in something you drink. And then also, on July 22nd, we've got Peculiar People, the crisp new project by TC. Catch These Hands Remix by DJ Jimmy Rock, featuring two CHH legends, KJ52 and Petity, released at the very end of the month. That is an extremely hype track. And releasing that same day was I'm Home by Legend which is a saga of a song. All these releases are well worth your time, and remember to check out 520collective.com and the hashtag 520co playlist on Spotify throughout the month for more wave makers. Talk at you again next month. This has been Darius Mullen with the 520 Collective Podcast. What's good, y'all? This is Joseph Madigan. Madigan, don't get me Madigan. You already know what it is. We came to lift up the body, and I do that by being an exclusive Christian Reactor. Go ahead and submit your tracks to madigansreactions at gmail.com anytime you would like. Read the auto reply for all the submission details and get a reaction where I show you the enthusiasm and also give you constructive critique. Also, I just released a song. Go check it out. It's called Give Me the Ghost. It came out August 10th, just a couple days ago. Go check it out. Here's a little snippet of it. Just give me the, just give me the ghost. Holy Spirit, fire, come close. Hey guys, I want to say thank you for listening to the 520 Collective Podcast. This month's Industry Insider interview is coming up in just a moment. Before we listen in, make sure to check out 520collective.com. It is the home for indie news and faith-based hip-hop. Follow us on social media, including Twitter and Instagram at 520 underscore co. Also, to get exclusive content, hit up our Audio Mac account, where you'll find extended interviews, playlists, and more. Let's jump into this month's interview. Welcome to this month's Industry Insider Interview, brought to you officially by Bookkeeper247.com. What's up, guys? Welcome to this Industry Insider interview here on the 520 Collective Podcast. We are being sponsored, as always, by the Bookkeeper 24-7. Check them out at tbk247.com. Go support Daryl and the team at tbk247.com now. And guys, joining me on the 520 Collective phone line, she is from Office Hours with Nora and Stowe. Join me right now is Nora Rahimian. What is good? <laughs> Hi, it's good to be here. Awesome. I'm, I'm excited. You know, we had Stowe on um, towards the end of season three, actually. You know, just getting to know him and see what he does for indie artists. You know, obviously it led me to you as well because you partner up with him. How did, I guess I just want to ask first, how did you and Stowe kind of get connected? Oh my God, I love this story. So... Uh, seven or eight years ago, I'm going to give you the whole long story because okay. I think it's important. And I think, it, and I'll tell you why, because as artists, like networking and relationship building is the, probably one of the most important things that we do. Right. And sometimes that process isn't linear. So someone you meet here, like one thing leads to an, it, so I think Stowe and I are a perfect example of that. 
So seven or eight years ago, I met a woman on Twitter during an ideas chat. She was talking about global hip hop. I was like, what? Me too, global hip hop and social activism. We literally, it was like four tweets. I slid in her DMs, realized that we were both like super aligned and that's how we started Culture Fix. So Culture Fix is my company. It's a global network of artists and activists and entrepreneurs who do social impact work. Through Culture Fix, I got plugged into Mikel and Artistic Manifesto, which uh, isn't around anymore, but back in the day was one of probably the best blogs around like new music and like stuff for the culture. Through Mikel and Artistic Manifesto, I met someone who then introduced me to Stowe on Twitter. So Stowe and I met on Twitter super randomly through like four degrees of separation. Um, and so we just kind of became Twitter friends. And then we met up at A3C a few years ago. And that was the year I, I think I was really disillusioned by these conferences that had a bunch of like paid panels, right? Like companies were paying. So they were like really long advertisements and people, there was one panel in particular where the guy was like, why do I have to tell y'all how I got here? I struggled and like didn't want to share information. And it just really frustrated me because here were a bunch of independent early career artists who had paid good money to come learn information. And people were either being super stingy about that information or they were being kind of out of touch right? Like, oh, we'll just go to the headquarters of YouTube and tell what, like what artists can do that. So at the time I was, you know, doing my like creative consulting thing, Stowe was dropping gems and we'd had, we had like a good kind of vibe going. And so I reached out to Stowe and I was like, look, we need to do something that's practical, accessible, tangible advice for artists. Like, nah, I'm cool. <laughs> He was not. And so basically I peer pressured him. Um, and that, so now it's been like two years, our YouTube channel uh, turned two in April. Yeah. It was like a wild series of events. And now I can't imagine us not doing this together. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you talked about you were doing consulting, uh, but you do so much more than just consulting. Uh, it seems like, at least from where I sit, like what, what do you tell people that it is that you do when it comes to working with artists and just, you know, sharing this information that you have? You know, my, I think my purpose in life is to help artists achieve the kind of success that they want, partly because I think arts is how we change the world. Arts and culture evoke the emotional response that get people to think and feel differently about the things that matter. Tangibly, practically, what that looks like is I do office hours with Stowe. Um, I run Culture Fix. We connect artists around the world to one another and do a bunch of information sharing and um, edu kind of making education accessible around arts and social justice. I produce a hip hop festival called Den Music Fest. Um, and the vision there is to amplify independent early career artists, regardless of social media numbers. We don't look at how many streams you have. We don't look at how many social media followers you have. But really, it's about creating a space where good people who are making good music can get uh, a viable platform. Um, and we connect artists to one another there. Um, and then I do a bunch of coaching and consulting. So working one-on-one -on -one with creatives of all kinds. Like I work with authors, I work with fundraisers, I work with a bunch of musicians uh, to help them figure out success on their own terms without giving up financial freedom or creative control. You know, for independent artists, 
a lot of them are trying to find their audience and, and to connect with the people that are going to support what they're doing. And that's not an easy thing. Or maybe it's easier than we think. I don't know. Uh, that, that's where I'm going to hear what you, your thoughts are on this. But um, the one thing I do know is that if you're an artist who is simply uploading your music to DistroKid and letting it go to Spotify, and that's kind of it, maybe you throw a tweet out on the release day, yeah, you're you're not connecting with with the audience, and, and I know there's some tools and that and that you're gonna hit on, but like, what would be your advice? Just like your first little piece to point them in the right direction of, hey, if you want to connect with the people who's gonna support you, this is where you start. You have to be vulnerable. You have to put yourself out there. If all I see and not not you, the music, like. I know artists hate it when I say this. The music is probably the least important thing in building a fan base. People support you because they like you, because they connect with you, right? Like, and we see brands, why do you think brands have mascots? Because mascots are humanizing, brands are not, right? So, you know, and not to say like turn yourself into a mascot, but there has to be a human accessibility factor. And so, a lot of you, I don't understand why artists do this, this whole like mysterious post thing. I don't have time, energy or attention span to like solve your mystery, especially if I'm not already invested in you. Mystery works when you're like 15 years into your career, right? Then you can be like MF Doom. But until then, you have to give people something to connect to before. Or you know who's a good example is Beyonce. Beyonce can be mysterious now. Beyonce can be mysterious now because Beyonce 15 years ago was showing up in every single interview and like being kind of imperfect, right? But she couldn't have done that back then when Destiny's Child was first like coming up. She needed to put herself out there and like show us her personality. So um, this whole like mystery thing is working against you. Um, and I know, I know that there's a vulnerability and it's scary to put yourself out there. Or you, maybe you don't know how, and we have Office Hours episodes about all of this, so I really do encourage people to go check out the YouTube channel. But showing the imperfections, showing the process, showing the parts where you mess up or you're frustrated or you're struggling, all of that is so relatable. It's so connectable. And then when I've seen you when you're down, I'm going to be so hyped and excited for you when you're up. Because I remember when your engineer lost the stems or I remember when you lost your voice and you couldn't perform or I remember when you know you were heartbroken and couldn't work for three days like all of that is so humanizing it's so relatable and it's going to make me care about your success so that then I trust you I feel connected with you so that I press play and listen to the song a lot of artists I think make asks but they don't earn the right to make that ask and so that's a huge, huge piece of it is you have to give before you can take anything from your audience and listen to my song, watch my video, buy my merch, come to my show. Those are all asks that you're making and people aren't going to do it if they if they don't feel like you've given them enough in exchange. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned the YouTube channel uh, in there. I want to make sure that we give a chance to, to plug that. So uh, where do people tap in uh, with what you got going on? Yeah, go to YouTube, uh, Office Hours with Nora and Stowe. There's like almost 50 episodes, I think now. Um, I know you also mentioned audience stuff and maybe we can talk about niche later, but there's a really good episode about finding your niche because when I ask artists, who's your, you know, who's your audience? And they say, everybody. 
you can't. I, I you will eventually, but at this stage, you. So we can talk about that. Um, and then I'm super accessible on all the socials at Nora Rahimian uh, on Instagram and Twitter. And my DMs are always open. I'm always happy to answer questions or if folks want to set up a, a one-on-one session. This is really like music is all about relationships. So take advantage of those resources and reach out to people when they invite you to. Yeah, definitely. And guys, again, on the 520 Collective phone line, it's Nora Rahimian. You know, I was in one of the Twitter spaces that you guys were hosting not too long ago. And one thing that you talked about that I was like, okay, if we can get her on the podcast, I want to talk about this because we haven't done so yet. But I feel like it's so important is is this idea of establishing and getting a newsletter together, right? And, and getting uh, an email list. Um, you know, I think some artists and, and I hate just putting it on artists. I would say even some of just someone like myself, you know, that um, is doing just some behind the scenes work, right? Like we've kind of bought into maybe some falsehoods a little bit on some of the things where like, Oh, well, you know, it's 2022 and, and we don't need a newsletter because I've got uh TikTok or whatever, you know, I guess just why is something like a newsletter so important in your eyes and why should it be important for independent artists? So excited to talk. I feel like there should be like balloons and horns and like newsletters. Um, <laughs> so one newsletter, you own those email addresses. And yes, as much as like emails and stuff might change, it's a direct relationship that you can have with your customer, your audience, your supporters. You don't own TikTok, you don't own Instagram, you don't own Twitter, you don't own Facebook, you don't own any of those other platforms. And so if, and we've seen this, right? Like if Instagram crashes, do you have a way to contact your audience? Or if Elon Musk buys Twitter and decides to ban words like music, hip hop, and link, are you going to have a way to, right? Like these are real things that, are happening in our current like eco right in our current ecosystem and so newsletter is a direct reliable stable way that you can communicate with people regardless of what happens on these platforms i'm not saying don't be on these platforms but it is a way to they should they should speak to one another right they act in conjunction with one another and i i know i hear from so many of so many artists who are burnt out on social media they hate posting. They don't want to. So newsletter allows you to kind of bypass some of those things where you have a much more controlled environment where you can really tell the story without having to be in the kind of grind of I got to post every day. It's three o'clock. I didn't get my, you know, because that's not good for our mental health. So really, that's the most basic reason is you own the content and then it lets you be in front of people who everyone who is on your email list will see your email which is not true with other platforms. The algor- you know, the algorithm hides you from other places, but that's not true on other platforms. When it comes to, to, to a newsletter, I think if, if that's not something you're used to as an artist, if you're just focused on, I want to make music, but all these other aspects are part of it, but I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. Like, what, what do you say to those guys, right? Because I mean, I know like for, for us, you know, we do have a newsletter, and I'm, it's not perfect, you know, but I figured out that it's important just to be doing it, you know, that it helps and we get a little bit better as we go. What's your advice on just getting that started and what that kind of looks like? Um, so the, 
I mean, really the most important thing is to just start. When I first, and I, again, I get it. It could be really scary to email a bunch of people and like put yourself out there. And in some ways, I think there's like a, people think that there's a, a weightedness or a permanence to newsletters. Like I could send out a tweet and it disappears. So it's low pressure, but a newsletter feels bigger. Um, just, just start. When I first started sending newsletters, I was sending Gmail blasts to people like on my Gmail and just BCCing people. But something is better than nothing. And people see that. And even if they don't read it, even if they don't engage with it, my name is still present and forward in their mind. So there's a familiarity that builds that way. Um, I still don't have a landing page that's like formal. Stowe yells at me all the time because I don't have a website, but that's, I don't actually, I don't actually think everyone needs a website, but that's a different conversation. Um, but like I have a Google form where I, I collect email addresses and then I manually transfer that from Google forms to my MailChimp because that's easy for me. And thinking about a landing page stresses me out. So allow yourself, I think sometimes we get stuck in having to do like the perfect thing. I have to have the, just allow you, and this is true for newsletters, but it's true for so much else in like creative industries. Allow yourself to do the most simple thing. Just take that first step. And your first newsletter doesn't have to be, just be like, hey, I just wanted to say hi to y'all. Hi. I'm Eric and I run this podcast and this is why I started it. Like it doesn't have to be fancy or again, doesn't have to be fancy. doesn't have to be overly curated, but if you don't ever put yourself out there and you don't ever extend that hand, your audience is never going to be able to grasp it and connect with you. So start my biggest advice is like, just start where you can and take that next step. And then you can, gradually gradually build up the other thing is y'all it doesn't matter how many subscribers you have if you only have two email addresses send those two people personalized emails right and then you can ask them to forward it you can then share it on your socials and be like my newsletter went out make sure you don't miss it you know and there's ways to grow but i think a lot of times i hear artists who are like oh i don't have that many subscribers that shouldn't be that shouldn't be a reason why you don't reach out and connect. Yeah, and I love that you said that because that is an excuse that I hear on a lot of for a lot of different things, right? Like I've talked to people about, man, why aren't you on Bandcamp? Well, I don't think I've got a big enough audience to use Bandcamp. Do you have one person that'll buy your music? If so, have it on Bandcamp. <laughs> I mean, it's that simple. But when we're talking about, <laughs> wait, wait. sorry, yeah. no, sorry. you're fine. I'm mean, I mean, gonna cut you off. But also, one of the perks of Bandcamp over like other platforms is because Bandcamp gives you email addresses so then now you know right you know that they care enough about you to go to Bandcamp to listen to your music to buy something they've given you their email address they want to keep hearing from you they want to have that connection and so I think the other thing I hear is how often artists are like well I don't know where to get emails I'll give you a whole list right now one anyone who's ever bought something from you you have their email address you can email them Two, ask people like we underestimate how e be, throw out something like right now, go to your Instagram stories and be like, I'm going to start my newsletter. Please respond to this story with your email address and see how many email addresses you get. So asking people and then three is connecting with other people that you work with and being like, yo, can you feature me in your newsletter? 
so that people, so that cross-pollination, that kind of connection, that's already three ways where you can start collecting email addresses that you didn't have before. And even if people don't give you their email address, the simple act of talking about it and putting it out there is still a form of promotion, marketing, connecting with your audience. So it's thinking about that big picture of how, kind of going back to how we started the show and me telling you that long story about how Stowe and I got connected. It's the same, like marketing works in the same way. So I might need to hear you talk about your newsletter eight to 11 times before I'm like, cool, here's my email address. But every time I hear you talk about it, it does register something in my brain. And that's true with me listening to your music. That's true for me coming to your show. We need eight to 11 interactions with something before it even resonates in our minds, especially now in this world where everything is so chaotic and we're all overstimulated. Yeah. And so if I'm just starting a newsletter, right? How many items would you recommend like being discussed in, in those early newsletters, especially? Cause I mean, I think there's a tendency of, okay, if I'm going to do this, here's, here's everything about me. Right. And, and that can be overwhelming. It could be too much. Uh, do you have like a sweet spot that you would recommend as far as like, if you're going to talk about two or three things, no more, or, or up to five things, like what, what do you say? You know, I, I don't know that there's a number on it, but allow yourself to say what needs to be said. So, and, and knowing your audience, if you know that your audience is like younger and they're like, go, go, go one or two things is enough. If you know that your audience maybe is older, they like more kind of like long form things, you can you can write longer. Um, it doesn't have to be like, you can use bullet points, you can use images, you like your newsletter. I think sometimes when we say newsletter, people think of like the newspaper and it has to be like columns and articles. It does not, it, it's yet another platform. You can put videos, you can do a video newsletter, like, you can do whatever makes sense for you. I think the important thing is for every newsletter, one, you know, to think about what is it that my audience values? What do they get from me in addition to I make good music? And so making sure that every newsletter has something of value that could be insight, that could be entertainment, that could be fine, you know, like discounts and stuff like that. Thinking about what can I give them so that they're receiving value from me? So each newsletter should have something valuable and something that they learn about you. And if those two things are in there, and then maybe you end with a call to action or you end with a question, hey, who should I collaborate with? Who are you listening to that should be on my playlist? Um, when was the last time you went to a venue that you really liked? Or what city do you think I should be in next, right? Part of, again, even if your audience doesn't answer your question, they're learning that you want to hear from them. And so the invitation to feedback trains them to give you feedback when they're ready to do so. So I don't know that there's like a, a number necessarily, but thinking about value and connection are the two biggest things. Yeah. Yeah. And so you have that call to action, right? And hopefully people are responding to you. Uh, you know, a newsletter is a little bit different than doing a post on social media, right? Where, you see the response, you can hit re reply and, and type in your response. What's it look like or what should it look like uh, in order to get that interaction happening if people are responding to your newsletter? What would what would you recommend? Because you don't, I, I think you want to make it interesting, right? You want to create value and you want people to invest in what you're doing. 
and, and it really is building a relationship with your audience. So, um, what kind of tips do you have there as far as like making sure you can help kind of foster that response from uh, the people you're sending your newsletter out to? So one is making it easy for them, right? If I'm like, click on, you know, sign up for my next workshop, I will have a button clearly that people can press so that they don't have to think too much about doing it. Or it's about telling, like really spelling out the directions. Most people don't even think that they can reply to a newsletter. So if I'm asking for feedback, I will put in the newsletter, respond to this email and tell me X, Y, and Z. Click reply and talk to me about da 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 da. Um, and so, th- in every email where I do that, I get responses. So then, your responsibility now is to make sure that you respond. If I ask you to call me and then you call me and I don't answer the phone, you're gonna feel some kind of way, right? Because you're gonna be like, "Dang, Nora told me to call her." Like, and that's the relationship building part. Is if you're asking your audience to do something and they do it, you have to reward them. You have to tell them thank you. You have to make them feel seen, understood, valued, appreciated. So they get a personalized response from you in a timely manner. Goes back to what I was saying earlier. Y'all should really, really check your emails. And then, you know, I, I think there's also an expectation that a lot of artists have when they try something. And this isn't just artists, like all of us. When we try something new, we just want to be perfect at it from the beginning. And then if it's not perfect, we're like, well, screw this. I'm never going to do this again. And y'all, that's not how it works. And so allowing yourself to experiment with different things. And we can get fancy, like you can, like on a platform like MailChimp, you can send, you can split how you send your emails and experiment, see how like this call to action works versus this call to action. Um, But like, that's too fancy and we don't need to worry about that. Just allow yourself like the first nine to 12 months should really be space for experimenting and trying different things. And you see, oh, my audience really liked when I said this, they didn't like this and allow yourself to use that input that you're getting from them, right? No response is still a response, right? So use that input to inform how you do other things. I'll just say to everyone that's listening from my experience, I said, we're we're still building our newsletter. We're still figuring this whole thing out or or trying to. I don't know if we ever will or not. But the thing that's worked best for for me is just keeping it simple. Just keep it simple. And and you'll be amazed how far that'll take you (laughs) a little bit, I think. So earlier you talked about uh, people grinding, right? And and feeling like you got to do all this stuff. and You got to tweet every day and how something like a newsletter can help maybe simplify that. Right. And and make it a little easier, make it where it's not as stressful um, because it's not something that you have to do every single day. What's your feeling on this idea or this culture of I've got to grind in order to make it? Uh, Because I feel like you don't have to grind. You just got to what I mean, it goes back to that old adage, right? You just got to work smarter, I think. Right. So what's your thoughts there? Yeah. um, You know, there's a lot. I can sleep when I'm dead. I can, you know. No, no, no. First of all, create like, okay, I have a lot to say about this. So I'm like, let me formulate these. No, we, we want to hear it all. That's, I know that's not the quality of life. Any of, we're not machines. We're not robots. Like none of us became creatives or decided to pursue creativity in a professional way because we want to work, 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 work. So 
it, it puts us in this place of like disconnect where the life you want to live and the life you feel like you have to live are in opposition to each other. And as independence, and this is like what I do, I spend a lot of time on in, in like my one-on-one sessions with artists is you get to decide the life, you get to create the life you want to live and what it means for you to be an artist. It doesn't have to look the same for everybody. We don't all need to be Drake. There are working artists, there are artists who are touring and writing music and, you know, selling out like mini shows that you're never going to hear about, but they're popping and doing their thing. And so, you know, one, I think is really defining for yourself what success is and what that looks like, because then you can include in that the kind of life you want to live. Do you have time for family? Do you have time for relationships? Do you have time for taking your dog to the park? Do you have time for other, you know, versus this like always got to work, always got to work. Two, I think it's actually really counterproductive. Even bodybuilders take rest days because we know that rest is good for the muscles so the muscles grow stronger. And so creativity and inspiration are the same. I get artists who are like, oh, I'm so burnt out. And I'm like, well, when was the last time you took a break? And they're like, oh, I haven't had a day off in six months. So if we remember that art and music and relationships are emotional work, then taking time to rest, taking time to reset, taking time to take care of yourself is as much part of the work as being in the studio or recording a music video or whatever it might be. So I really think that like this, this grind culture is harmful and counterproductive. Um, And so I, and, and I think that it upholds the myth that you are solely responsible for your success. And that's not true. Like their success is luck and chance And like all these other things have so much to do with it. And so um, not to say that you're not responsible for your success. You can do all the things, but there are factors outside of all of our control. And so take a break. Like your mental health deserves it. Your your physical well-being deserves it. Like it's just not good for any of us to not sleep or not eat or not take a break. I know that you mentioned your socials earlier. I want to give you a chance to to share those one more time. I want to make sure people are getting in and hearing what you guys are sharing on there. So our we have new YouTube episodes every first and third Tuesday of the month. That's like solid. And those are also live. So people can come in, ask us questions, participate. Um, low key, y'all, like if you look at how Stowe and I do office hours, it's a great blueprint for how you could be engaging with your audience. I mean, if you take nothing away from today's conversation, maybe the thing to take away is that quality is way more important than quantity as an, at the early stage. Like one happy fan will do so much more for you than like 10 fans. Yeah, N-O-R-A-R-A-H-I-M-I-A-N, Nora Rahimian at Twitter and Instagram. Um, and then, yeah, yeah. All the socials. Awesome. Awesome. Nora, I appreciate you coming on here. Uh, it's been awesome. You've had so many, you know, just gems. You know, I, I'll use that that term. Man, I, I want to definitely, op- you know, throw out an open invitation to you to come back anytime that you feel like it. I'm sure there's plenty more we could talk about in the future as well. So, but I, I've loved it and I hope the listeners have as well. 
Thanks for having me. This was fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, I loved it. I loved it. So again, guys, make sure you go subscribe to the YouTube channel so you can tap into those lives, follow on social medias. And thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the 520 Collect Podcast. Again, we want to shout out our sponsor, uh, The Bookkeeper 24-7. Check them out at tbk247.com as well as the rest of our episode sponsors. And we will catch you guys on the next episode. All right, we're so glad that you tuned in for this episode of the 520 Collective Podcast. In fact, we don't want it to end here. Make sure to join our server on Discord and be part of the growing community that's centered around faith-based hip-hop. Let us know your thoughts about the topics covered in this episode and tap into a variety of live events. Go to 520collective.com slash Discord now to join.